if you do not know yourself, you cannot truly be true to yourself. You can be your best self based on who you assume or you are told that you are. You can make the best of it. But you cannot truly be yourself unless there is some reference point that is memorable and resounding enough that gives me the pride and authority and ownership of myself. You see, I, I think it's all about discovering who you are by telling stories. Because if you don't, let, let me give us a very small analogy. When an ego is born, and when the chicken, the little chick is born, they are just about the same, but they are not the same. What if you take the little ego and you mix it up with the chicken, with the little chick, and they grow all together, and they are told, and they, they are told the same story? Do you think the ego will ever fly like the ancestors do? The answer is the ego will never fly. We need to reach our younger generation. We need to heal them. We need to get them to understand who they are. They may live in this country, yes, and, and thankful for, for the host country, for whatever it has provided, but we also know the damage that has come through um, the, the peoples of this land. So what we are trying to do now is build ourselves up. understand the background from where we are speaking from and because you can see that there is that the the storytelling basic here there is a storytelling series uh, because that is actually where we are coming from i decided uh, last year that because of this different idea that i've gathered around the topic of storytelling and uh, let me share what i've learned with other people maybe some other persons will also uh, learn something from me and of course pass the the knowledge on so that is why I decided to uh, create this uh, book series. And of course, it was the intention was also to create a book series. I just wanted to create, uh, to, to write one book. But it was really voluminous because what I learned was many. It, didn't, it wasn't something that could be explained in just an article or just a book of uh, uh, two chapters. Of course, I could do that if I wanted. Uh, but because it was really voluminous, I decided to break it down so that it can be easy for people to understand. That is why it become a series. At the series, there are five books inside, each of them treating a separate argument within the topic of storytelling. So that is actually where we are coming from today. Like, of course, every other day, because we are here continuously talking about storytelling and how we can leverage it in what we are doing from business to community uh, to personal life. Uh, storytelling, we will come to understand, is an integral part of our life, whether in the past or in the present. So that is why we are here continuously talking about storytelling. And today we are looking at how we can use storytelling to build identity in the African diaspora community. All right, so I start with Nakosha because you are the newest here uh, with Dr. Mansia and um, Olatuji uh, who is coming just now. We have been here before. Because you are new here, 
we give you the privilege to sort of tell us who you are. Uh, then, of course, we're going to pick up the, the conversation later on. Please, the mic is yours. Thank you, and Thank you, everyone, for joining in on this call. Um, I'm really happy to be here. My name is Nakaja. Um, I'm currently doing a master's program in anthropology and linguistics. I'm looking at sociocultural anthropology specifically. Um, I'm an author, I'm a business owner, and I recently just published a book called Play the Game, Hierarchical Assimilation. And it's really interesting because a lot of the first chapters of that book is about my story. Um, growing up in a system in America, because I am in America, but then I ended up finding myself doing a lot of traveling on the continent of Africa, coming from Ghana and Morocco and Tanzania and Egypt, spending some time there, to also um, finding myself in Asia as well, um, in Vietnam, in Thailand, and in India. Um, so I talk a, a lot about basically the structures of America and how it basically tries to put African people in a box no matter what. And if you're looking at the history of, for example, the transatlantic slave trade or the Indian slave trade, oftentimes they divided up African people with different um, identities that wasn't given to them. It wasn't like ascribed to them by their ancestors. And so what happens is, is you start to have a loss of cultural identity over that time. So What's interesting is that, for example, in Canada, you have um, these African groups of people that are labeled as Nova Scotia, which is the land of Canada, or people who fought with the British um, during during the, the Independence War of America. You call them Black loyalists. People who come from the Caribbean are called Maroon. So you have these huge um, discrepancies and identities. And so I look at that in my book and what happens um, when we have someone else's identity, but also going towards the space of reclaiming our own identities and what that would look like. So that's a lot of the work that I do, and I'm really happy to be talking with you all. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Nakansha. That is a, a lot there that we are going to be unpacking. Of course, uh, you are not here just by accident. You are here because there is a call. Uh, th there, is a, uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, connection here that is really interesting. Of course, looking also at the people that are in the audience, I can have a sense of... Um, of importance of what we are talking about today. It is very, very important for us as the people of African descent and in the diaspora. This is an important story. This is an important conversation that we must have. All right, uh, Dr. Masia, please tell the people who you are. And then, of course, I'm going to be asking the question, throw it in one at a time. Good everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, or good night. It depends on where you are. I am happy to be here today, as you have already heard. I am Dr. Marshall Thomas, and I am a Christian leader. I am a certified Christian leadership life coach. I am an author, and I am involved in the African diaspora and also in storytelling because I, my specialization was in a disadvantage rural school and so for that reason I began to listen to their stories albeit I have generational roots in Africa my great grandparents were taken here and that story was told to us by their children who would have been my grandparents and great grandparents also in the way that they knew it and I became very intrigued in telling 
person's stories from their point of view and how they have experienced it. And so I wrote three textbooks in which I detailed the stories of those children and their parents in those books. So they had those books to use and to compare themselves and to evaluate their story on the pages and then to critically analyze and do some problem solving because it is on a page. And those three books, Adventures in Language Arts, book one, two, and three, have been exposed to other countries and also in the Caribbean for use in the classroom. And so real stories are used for language arts and for learning and for educating and for empowering and giving voice to marginalized individuals, especially children. Thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah, we, we can see that there's a lot of value being shared here, and I really appreciate it. It is my honor to be here um, uh, uh, coordinating this event. It, it's really an honor. And sometimes uh, we all have our different calling. Uh, in that irrespective of where we might find ourselves, what we might do, we are all in our different mission. Uh, mine is just doing this, and yours is doing what you are doing. So we must appreciate the opportunity to be able to serve. Uh, uh, this is something that we shouldn't take for granted at all. So I want to thank all of you again for being here. Okay, now I will put my first question to Nakasha. Uh, and the question is this. Uh, I want to start with the relevance. What is the relevance of storytelling to the African diaspora identity? What is your take on that? Of course, uh, listen, uh, Aliyah, I'm not forgotten you. Eh? Thank you for joining us, but I'm coming to you just now. I want uh, Nakasha to respond first. Um, yeah, the relevance of African storytelling is, is very imperative in the age that we're in now, particularly because you find that there is a lot of people... Yeah. Um, who are non-African, who are telling the stories for Africans themselves. And so they begin to distort histories, which is what we see a lot in, um, in, in a lot of the education systems. I want to say just in America, but honestly, that's not the case. Um, you also have the colonial influence in education that also impacts um, African education systems as well. And a lot of times we still don't see Afrocentric schools or curriculums that's introducing this approach of um, storytelling and, and writing the narratives as to what happened from an African lens, um, a lot of it can be said because of colonialism and then also the residual impacts of, um, I want to say, uh, mental enslavement or the, like, the psychology that starts to be distorted because of that generational epigenetic trauma. Um, so it's really important to understand these histories as far as like where it's coming from, from generations and to reform them, recreate them in a way that can help us move forward. And so that's the saying of um, you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you're from is, is really true. Uh, so it's really important to do African storytelling and to keeping our information within generations or within our communities, essentially. Otherwise, there becomes a whitewashing or there becomes um, a huge distortion and then we, we forget who we are. And then we get to see that uh, very, very well in the case of um, Africans who are American. So African-Americans in America, you get to see that when they're not introduced to um, their own information as to who they are, they're connected culturally from where they come from, they begin to assimilate into a system that tells them 
that um, they're they're nothing or that they're you know X Y Z drug dealers, rappers, whatever the case may be. That there there are these negative things, and then they also create an economic system that uh, makes them live in scarcity. So it also exasperates those things. Um, so it's it's important for us to change that dynamic, and the only way to do it is to get into our own storytelling. And the issue of it is also is um, the field of anthropology, right? So the field of anthropology is rooted in um, racism. It was the way that foreigners particularly Europeans, were able to um, go into these indigenous communities around the world and be able to understand the communities to their language, speak into their language, but also their culture, capture it, and then reframe it or take things from um, their cultures and then recreate it in another way, right? So that's a whole nother conversation. But that's what the field of anthropology is like rooted in. And so when you start to understand that, you understand that they created an entire field of science of distorting history to their own advantages of having like this very Eurocentric view or this othering that um, entails engaging in cultural genocide. So when you when you get that concept, then you start to realize how important storytelling is. I hope that answers your question. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Of course, I'm going to be asking also that uh, their their take on it, but I think this is really deep and really very interesting. Of course, that justifies why we are here. It is important that we continue to tell our story because if we don't, if we don't, we run a very huge risk of prolonging the the incarceration that we are today because we are currently incarceration uh, in many parts of the African reality. And until we are able to tell our story, because story now is going to help us to shape a future. Even if we have to die, it's going to help us to define what, what happened after that. So story is an integral part of our existence, and it's going to play an important role. I think, Aliyah, you wanted to say something. Please go ahead and share with us. Um, well, thank you for inviting me up on the stage. Um, I just wanted to do like a brief introduction of myself and introduce, introduce myself to the group. Um, I appreciate this initiative that you guys have put together. Um, I definitely know that storytelling is very important uh, in the building, the identity of the African diaspora um, for more than one reason. Most times um, there's a major disconnect between the diaspora and uh, the continent of Africans and uh, what we've learned over the years, right? Uh, through America's educational system. Um, but for myself, uh, just as a brief introduction, I'm a wealth management invest and investment consultant. Um, I'm an author. And I have lived in Senegal, West Africa. Well, I actually relocated in Senegal, West Africa in 2014 with my family. Um, and we founded the Made in Africa Project, which was one of the uh, first initiatives to that actually targeted the African diaspora and helping them relocate and invest back to the continent. Um, so that has been some of our work for over the past decade. Uh, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm in consulting, so assisting those who are interested in making that move and reconnecting, um, whether it be for cultural or business purposes. Um, but uh, for the first step, definitely reconnecting back to the continent. Uh, for the cultural aspect of it and actually to reconnect with um, our brothers and sisters on the land so that they can learn about, you know, their side of the story. Um, we only hear one side of the story for those of us who are in America. Uh, we get a piece of it, right? Um, 
but it's important for us to understand what happened on the other side of the water too. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there and thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate that. That is an important conversation. Of course, I just sent you a DM that we really need to uh, enlarge that conversation because I've got some friends that are coming out from the United States, going to Africa, and encourage you also other to do that. Uh, yesterday, I interviewed um, an American again, but this time he is in the Philippines. He's a guy that is doing something really uh, interesting. Uh, and of course, he's also in the field of, uh, of business. And he was telling me why many Americans need to travel to Africa. Then I told him that I think, in my humble opinion, that a lot of African diaspora need to, as a matter of urgency, make a connection to their root in Africa. You don't need to learn about Africa through the lenses of another person. It's not going to work. Now, what you can do, I was saying, if you have the resources, you can go to any country in Africa and even buy a piece of land. It is your own. And what you will understand is that you might look at it like, uh, wait, you are just buying a piece of land. No, you are establishing a connection. That land becomes yours. Nobody can ever take it away from you. Uh, but it's even more than that. That is, that is a spiritual connection also. You see, um, I recently finished writing a book about my eldest brother, uh, a kind of a biography about him. Then at a the point, I was speaking about my village, where I came from in the south of Nigeria. Then I was saying, my land which is, uh, my village is called Idumugulu uh, in, um, in Amedokia, Urobi. So I was saying that the connection between me and my land cannot be broken. Because when I was born as a child, my umbilical cord was cut off and it was buried on that land. Now, I want you to imagine that as a seal. A seal is a, a kind of, uh, when, you know, in the old days, when you write a letter, you will seal it, then give it to somebody to deliver the letter. Now you will say signature, no? Or you can say a kind of a bond, a chain that put us together. So you cannot separate me I my, my land because that is where my oblique cord is buried. So for many people of African descent, we must understand that Africa is us. We belong to Africa, Africa belongs to us. We cannot be cut off from that. We cannot give another person the privilege to tell us about who we are. It is our job and our responsibility to find out and be the one speaking about us. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to prolong that because I don't want to be too emotional on that. I have uh, Gloria with us. Uh, Gloria, you also do something very interesting in line with what we are uh, sharing today. I believe you have something to say. Please go ahead and share with us. Thank you, Obehi, and uh, greetings, everybody. I love to you all. It's lovely to be here. Fantastic what I've heard so far. Um, my name is Gloria Tenu Ogumbade Joe. I'm an ancestral healing coach, and um, that's more about unlocking generational healing and healing the past, uh, healing family patterns, connecting with ancestors, and learning techniques of healing. Uh, storytelling for me has been quite um, an incredible experience. Um, just through the work that I've been doing, I've understood that storytelling, I've learned so much about who I am as, as a person, my identity. Um, storytelling bridges the gap between the living and the ancestors, establishing a sense of continuity and connection. And by sharing stories about our ancestral lineages, we deepen our understanding of our roots, heritage, and the struggles and triumphs of our ancestors. 
I mean, I when I tell, uh, when I listen to the stories since I've started this work about my people, I'm from the Yoruba tribe, and um, who they were as a people and knowing that their DNA runs through me. When I walk, <laughs> I walk with purpose. I know who I am. Um, no one can tell me anything different. Uh, I'm a child of God, yes, but I also know that I'm a child of warriors, intellectuals, artists, you know, just the thought of who my people were. It, it makes me step in a different way and it makes me love who I am. Uh, and this is something I, uh, I pass on to my, to my daughters who I hear them now talking, they're young adults, and I hear them saying, I'm from the Yoruba tribe. I'm this, I'm that. And I'm thinking, well, if I close my eyes tomorrow, I've done my work, you know, because it's it's a very powerful thing. Listening to the stories of our ancestors, you know, it cultivates empathy and connection. You know, one of the things that I um, have understood also coming from the Yoruba tradition is um, something we call Ori. I don't know if anybody here who, you know, is from the Yoruba tribe. And it's, it's that thing that we bring to the world, a self-consciousness of who we are as human beings. It's, it's something, it refers to the inner consciousness and personal identity. And through storytelling, you learn how your Ori, you come with wisdom and guidance of your ancestors, allowing for personal transformation and healing. In the Yoruba tradition, you know, the science of healing encompasses a holistic approach. And it recognizes interconnectedness of various dimensions of human existence, including physical, emotional, spiritual, and well-being. And when you tell, when you listen to stories, you listen to our elders, you listen to aunties, uncles, all those stories are out there. You just need to ask someone from the older generation. And when we tell our own stories, our own experiences, I know having been on earth for a few decades now, I have my own stories and it adds to the mix. So this is just my little bit of um, input. I don't want to take up all the time. I have a lot more to say. And if the opportunity comes, I'll speak a bit more. Thank you for listening. You see, this is a conversation that we're not doing by accident. I want to repeat that again. We're intentional here. And of course, we're going to come back here a number of times because we need to champion this conversation. We need to talk about it for a variety of benefit. You see, you're talking of Ori. Uh, now, uh, I have had different conversation with a particular scholar on African spirituality. And of course, we are still coming back to it again. Because at a point, we need to talk about some of this deep thing. What do we even mean by God? What do we mean by spirituality? How was it interpreted in the time of our ancestors? You see, among the Igbo people, that is what they call Chi. A chi is explained as the God inside you, the God within. Now, if you see, I think even within Christianity uh, or about other religion, uh, you have the concept of the God within. Uh, I, I don't want to go deep on that, but what I really want to say is that we need to understand that when we are looking for salvation as a people, as African, Anything, anything that take our direction away from us is a deception. The God 
or our salvation must turn our, our face, our focus into us. It's not in front of you, it's inside you. Because when you were born, you were a full package. You were not unclean, you were clean, you were pure. You have everything. You were not slave. You didn't need to be accepted. You were already accepted. You have every instrument that you needed to navigate this experience called life. For the father, you are told that you need to be born again. Where well, that is a different conversation. I don't want to go there today. But I just want to I, thank you so much, Gura, for that thing that you mentioned, the Ori. Because when we talk about spirituality, when we talk about our identity, when we talk about our history, we should know what it means. That is so important. Thank you for sharing that. All right. And I want to go back to Dr. Matsia because I threw a question to Anakasha before. And, he, and she did, of course, a very beautiful explanation to that. But I want, to, I want your take on it, uh, Dr. Matsia. Looking at the African diaspora, what is the relevance of storytelling to our identity? I want you to share something with us. I want to start by, by telling a story. My son is 29. I have two children. And when he was three, he has a fascination. He had a fascination with kites. And so in Jamaica, we have a thing that we call kite festivals where persons go with ex extraordinary kites and different designs and creativity. And they go to a place that is a very expansive 10 acres and they fly their kites and they judges go around numerous numbers of them go around and they they go through and they select up to 10 kites and you you are rewarded and recognized for your brilliance and your creativity your innovation and so on and so i took my child my husband and i took my child to the kite festival and for some reason i we misplaced him and that feeling of loss terrible loss and desperation that my husband and I felt was was so huge that we would not leave that place until we found him. And when we did find him, we were a little angry because what he had actually done was followed someone that he, whose kite he was very fascinated with. But when we found him, there was a mixed feeling of anger, of relief, of gratitude but we expressed it in such a way that he understood where we were standing and knew that he must never in any way lose sight of us wherever we go or stray or walk away from us because the effect on us was too great. He understood that clearly. Of course, he got the right hand of fellowship because we were angry enough to make it memorable in that way. What am I saying? The story of someone's Ruth and someone's beginning must be understood or that person will be forever lost. If you do not know yourself, you cannot truly be true to yourself. You can be your best self based on who you assume or you are told that you are, you can make the best of it. 
but you cannot truly be yourself unless there is some reference point that is memorable and resounding enough that gives me the pride and authority and ownership of myself that Gloria spoke of. And so the African story is a story that is so unique and deliberately different that it must never be lost. And I'm very passionate about it because I wish I knew my ancestors because there are predispositions, habits, and mindset that carry from generation to generation by nature and by nurture. We must embrace the good and bad of our stories so we can be whole, very, very whole in ourselves. And so the African diaspora must, and I'm speaking as an insider and as an outsider, because I'm on the periphery, because I've never lived in Africa. But I understand that one's history is so important because you cannot go forward if you are not have not gone backwards. Because forward means that you step from where you are standing and move to the front. And so to move to the front from generation to generation, our traditions must be passed down, our history. And more than all, I want to say to every African listening here, your wisdom, you were designed specially. We are a different breed and I do not care who this might be hurting at this time. We were born and created differently because we as Africans have a story that is more powerful than life itself. And that is why there are so many persons in our history that have a story of resilience, of overcoming. The theme of African stories, Look, go back, those of us who, who go through these stories, the theme of African stories is conquering. It is overcoming. Gloria says they are warriors. It is innovation. It is creativity. Look at the themes. It is not despondency. It is not helplessness. It is not a giving in. They are stories of strength and character that are very unprecedented. And I, again, I say I will not apologize for that. And those of us who are carriers of this story must understand that it is a very honorable privilege as much as it is a right for us to tell our true stories because this wisdom is what will preserve Africans wherever they are. It is this wisdom that will progress, process, sorry, and will make a growth mindset of triumph, make you maneuver and navigate to your challenges and your circumstances and through your, 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 your being ignored and your being undervalued. It is this story of resilience and courage and determination that must move from generation to generation. So when all is said and done, we are able to stand wherever we are, original, unique, and authentic. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, I really appreciate that. 
uh, I want to go back to what Gloria was saying before that, uh, of course, in line with what you've just said, uh, Dr. Matsia, that when you know your story, when you know where you are coming from, when you know who are behind you, when you know the blood that is running in your vein, the channel through which they got there, or actually through which you got there, because um, you will be nothing without your ancestors, um, then you walk in a different kind of light. You walk in a different kind of awareness. You see, I, I think it's all about discovering who you are by telling stories. Because if you don't, let, let me give us a very small analogy. When an eagle is born, and when the chicken, the little chick is born, they are just about the same, but they are not the same. What if you take the little eagle and you mix it up with the chicken, with the little chicks, and they grow all together, and they are told, and they, they are told the same story? Do you think the eagle will ever fly like the ancestors do? The answer is the eagle will never fly because the ego do not know that the ancestors used to fly or actually that the ancestors flies. The ego will think that because it looked like every other bell, it's supposed to eat dust. That is what story does for, the, for us. If we understand who we are, then we will be able to do extraordinary things like our ancestors did. Story help us to do that. Hello, um, my name is Elijah. I'm a camera from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Um, I, I want to say I'm happy to join this conversation because um, I'm a writer, which I see it as an opportunity because it comes in my mind one day I was sitting, uh, I have a um, parents that are from the upline axis, which I believe there is so many story. You know, I sit down and one day I write a book that is called Honey Law. And this particular book was about a story um, about my grandfather. It's not, they have never heard about this. It, it is a very powerful story. Yes. So I sat down and said, before this uh, wonderful idea will be wasted, let me put it in book. Let me write it, you know, so that even generation to generation read about this man. You see, so I'm very happy. You know, I'm interested in this because that's, that has built my capacity to think and create things because some people were even amazed. Oh, you writing a story? How do you, how do you put it together? Because it's very simple. It's just a story of my, about my grandfather. It's just like I have to know because I was, uh, I'm, I'm a, a writer. And so I know how to put things in place for it to become a full story. So that is a very wonderful one, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you so much for that. Please keep writing. It is important. We need it. We need it for a lot of things. All right. Now I have a question for uh, Olatuji, and of course also for other people in the room. If you have to, if you need to contribute to that, and the question is: We now we understand the importance of story. We understand that 
is at a very threshold between our life and death uh, because it helps us to build ourselves, but it can also be used to destroy us. So the question is, how do we leverage storytelling to build our identity, either as Africans or as African diaspora? That is to you, Mr. Olatuji. All right, beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, I came in very, you know, uh, disjointed, but um, I'm already in the mood because uh, you, you can't talk about Africa and not touch me. It's not possible. Uh, it, it's really very, very uh, important that we understand that um, uh, there are a lot of complex things in the world. And um, one of the finest ways to simplify uh, what we go about in the world is story. Uh, story has remained one of the most beautiful gifts, you know, that God has given human. Uh, you would be bored when I start giving you facts and figures of how you got here this morning or this afternoon or this evening. All right. When I tell you, oh, do you know we have social number of people on LinkedIn? Do you know we have social number of rooms that are happening now? And, and I begin to tell you all of those things just to bring your attention to the fact that we are in a room where we are using story to build identity in the African diaspora. Uh, we are easily bored as human beings, and one thing that keeps us alive and active is story. Uh, you know, leveraging story is more than necessary for us to build our identity. Um, how many of us have seen Thor, Thor, uh, Love and then Thunder? You know, you have seen it before. Uh, you can just show, I want to see, you have seen Thor, Love and Thunder, uh, just just give you a reaction. I, I want to see the number of us have seen it. Oh, I, I can't remember the lead um, actor now, but it, it's a very interesting movie. Okay, I see a reaction now. Okay, I, I feel not alone. That's interesting. So, uh, Love and Thunder. Um, let me see if I can get the name quickly of the lead actor. Uh, please, just a moment. All right. Uh, what's the name now? Okay, Chris Emsworth. Yeah, Chris Emsworth. That's that's the guy uh, that did it. All right. That's he, 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 he was actually the lead um you know role in that movie. And if if you are from the the Yoruba origin like Gloria, you must have read about um uh Shango or heard about Shango. <laughs> you know in the Yoruba. Uh, you know, genealogy, we have Shungu as one of those great guys in those days, all right? Uh, he, he was referred to, or still referred to, as a god of thunder. And everything about Thor, you see, the first, the first, I, I, I saw Thor, I think I just saw it once. They, they have another version now. I was forced to, you know, to, to the cinema to see it by a friend. And they have another version, right? I think there's, there's an upgrade uh, to the first move. In the first movie, they had um, uh, Thor uh, using hammer as his weapon. But that was... A clear misconception of the picture they are trying to paint. Now, why did this happen? Because they were trying to tell a story that was not their own. When you allow this 
story to be told by who is not the owner, there would be mistake. So when they came back, you know, trying to do whatever it is they wanted to do, the movie came out, and this time around, Thor now has axe as his weapon, which is the original weapon of the god of thunder, axe in his hand. Now, how did that happen? They must have been, you know, uh, cautioned by some people in court who are historians of other people's story. Hey, come on. What we read about Africa, there is a guy, you know, God of thunder. This is his weapon. This is not his weapon. He never used armor. He used axe. But you see, this is a picture I want us to have in our mind about how wrongly our stories have been told because we have left them to be told by people who never came from our origin. Uh, Dr. Marcia was talking you know, about, about how we can just be lost and lost when we are disengaged or not you know, connected to our origin. And, you know, I, I like using words. Uh, that's my superpower. When I see words, I like to use them very well. Look at word origin. And I clearly will tell you how you cannot be original when you are not connected to your origin. For the height of any tree is stabilized by the depth of its roots. How closely knitted are you to your origin? When we do not have that, you know, a relationship that is required of us to our origin, we are going to carry ourselves wrongly. And when we do, we are unable to create stories that are real. Remember, only real things would survive the test of time. Everything fake, unreal and wrong will fizzle out with time. But only the real will survive the test of time. So to leverage storytelling for, for our brand identity requires that we go to find out the trueness of our origin, the quality truths about our origin, and never allow it to be told to us by a third party, by a spectator, by people who don't have the witness of blood in their, in their, in their vessel to, to, to attest to whatever they are saying. I, I, I told you how, you know, even though I didn't say it, but I, I came in very disorganized. But I can't hear about Africa and not be organized. That's my bloodline. It's not possible. It's not possible that I will be here, you know, hearing about Africa and not put myself together. So we need to be able, and, and you know, special announcement, whether you don't know that we are the finest storytellers on planet Earth. If you want to hear the most beautiful story anywhere in the world, come to Africa. So it, it's a natural ability for us to tell stories. 
but it becomes very important that for us to tell stories that will last the test of time, we must take out time to find out the genuine and true story about us, not through another person's eye, but by our own self. These things are available. These things are accessible. Now, don't ask Thor where they got the story of uh, Shongo from and they turned it to a movie. A blockbuster movie. Everybody's going to watch it and they don't know it's a story from somewhere in Africa. The Yoruba genealogy. The Yoruba root. And they are, you know, seated and they are enjoying it. What happened? Somehow tomorrow, somebody will come up from there and begin to argue tall against the Shongo. Why? Because somebody took it out of just mere, you know, a story, uh, of just mere, uh, you know, idea somewhere and turned it to a product. And that's why we are here today. We want to be able to productize everything you have known about Africa through this storytelling. We want you to see pictures in your mind. We want you to be able to capture these things as something real and transmittable that would be able to go from generation to generation. But remember, we are only able to do this and allow it to outlive us when they are genuine. Don't allow anything take away that genuineness. It doesn't need to be interesting. That's the thing. It doesn't need to be, you know, uh, to, to play to the gallery. It doesn't need, you know, to, to, you don't need to make it juicy or sugary. You just need to make it true, relevant, and then it can outlive us. And it will be able to communicate, you know, appropriately, the message of our roots and communicate the power that is embedded in it. I can tell you for, for, for free that we are special breeds. There is no argument to that. You see, you have melanin. That is why you have the color of your skin. Some people are, are, are begging to have it. They have different pigmentation when it when when situation arise or request for it. So there is need for you to be happy. There's need for you to be you know very very uh, uh proud of your roots. And how will this come? Some of us would need the paracetamol. You know, some of us know what paracetamol is. Yes, I just quickly want to you know close with that. Uh, paracetamol for Children has to be sweetened, you know, turned to syrup for them to use. Generally, drugs that children would take, babies would take, has to be sweetened for them to be encouraged to take it. Because if they don't take these drugs, their sicknesses will not be cured and they may die. So we need to do everything possible to present the African story, 
to different sets of the, the, the people, the population, the age, and whatever it is across the universe. To some people, we need to serve it with syrup or a syrup with some level of, you know, uh, sweetener. And you see for adults, the same paracetamol is bitter for adults. And you know what that means? You have the, the choice to make whether to stay alive or to die without any, you know, encouragement. So you have grown up enough to know that, hey, to stay alive is better than to die. So they don't need to sweeten your paracetamol. So we need to uh, engage different methods. Like the one we are doing here today, it, it's one of those ones that will inspire and you know energize a lot of possibilities in helping us to preserve our culture, our story. Remember, Thor is everywhere in the movie today. Why? Because the story has been productized. It has been turned to a product. We need to turn a lot of our stories to products. Yes, to products. Let them be out there. Let people pursue to get them. That increases the value of them. Let them not be, be you know, be, be, be kicked away from the public glare as something that is not worth it. No. Let us turn them to those things that people need to pursue after and want to have a copy and want to become a part of it. Uh, and that way, we begin to, you know, make our story uh, a sought-after resource, you know, and when, when a thing becomes a resource, means that, you know, our demand is increased and we can begin to control the supply. People are dying to know about Africa because truly of a truth, we are special people. All right. So thank you so much, uh, uh, Olatuji. I don't know, maybe the connection there got lost, but anyway, we got the message. Thank you so much for that, for that sharing. I think I still want to remain there a little bit um, on how we can leverage uh, storytelling to build our identity, because I think that is important. But I think also what Olatuji was saying is really critical here that we need to uh, um, we need to commercialize our knowledge, our ability to tell our story. We should not take it lightly as if it is irrelevant. It is absolutely relevant. It is important that we need to uh, take what we learn about our story and transform it uh, into a product that people can consume. I think Elijah was, was saying something also similar to that because he had written a book about his grandfather. And that is not to be taken lightly. But because, because you have done that, the story of your father is now easily preservable in the way that ordinary people can conserve it, can read it and consume it. So in that, I, I don't know if uh, Dr. Masia will have anything to say there related to how we can leverage storytelling to better build our identity as African diaspora. Please help me with that. I, I, I do. <laughs> um, I, I just quickly want, I'm just so inspired today. I wanted to... Um, Say a big thank you to Dr. Marcia. Um, so sorry words, about that. <laughs> her words uh, are still reverberating through my body. I was just um, shivering from the powerful words she said. I One of the things I really wanted to say, I have a lot of things I want to say, but something I just have to share is, and, and this is about telling your stories, wherever the opportunity presents itself. I've been unwell for a few weeks now, and today I woke up, 
and something said to look on your your post um your platform um obehi brother and and i saw this and i thought okay let me come on here and wow just like you said um it, it's not by chance that we're gathered here and what i've received already today the it, it has it, it's it's like it's like the medicine brother lingo was talking about it, you know it, it, it the medicine is already in my body we have our medicine part of my work is i talk about the medicine we have we practice medicine just by how we talk how we are what we've been given our divinity it's our medicine we carry medicine through the world we don't realize it we have been given something innately by the divine by olodumare by god and we we absolutely must fight everything that is has been put to divide us all those things that have been put to divide us have not worked because here we are coming together even stronger than ever but where we really need to make the difference is in telling these stories i mean one of the things i know for storytelling it validates our experiences and helps us shape our sense of identity it helps us to embrace and honor our heritage understand the resilience wisdom in our lineage and reclaim aspects of our identity that may have been overlooked or disregarded and more importantly distorted we are going through a time at this moment where that distortion just as we are trying we are agents of of good agents of trying to promote healing there are agents who are trying working overtime to do the opposite so by talking by spreading our stories by telling who we are learning about ourselves because we have to do our own research within that this is is it put it in our brands all the things that we do how i came to become an ancestral healer in itself is still a mystery to me i'm an ordained minister i'm a reverend and being a reverend and being an ancestral healer by by cultural accounts don't go together but these are all the nonsensical things that have been sold to us that we've bought i mean i once again the more i learn about the yoruba tradition we talk we use the word ashe when we pray at the end of it we, we say ashe do we know what that word means it represents the life force of energy the creative power that permeates all things when you say ashe it means it will happen it has been done may it be so it means so many different things you 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 can't like my brother said you know we 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 have the source of which we come from if we only understand it oh my goodness it, we we are elevated already by our existence and i i should stop now i'm sure to let other people talk <laughs> oh thank you so much thank you oh i love you all thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that i really appreciate that all right that the time is so dr batia yeah you you will have a problem with the connection please go ahead ah uh, thank you gloria i i i love the the passion and the the the, the depths from which you speak because i i share a similar passion and and to answer your question obihi i believe that we have especially those who are leaders and those who are who have outlived 
the trauma, the tragedy, the, 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 the unkindness in Africa who are standing on top of those things have a divine responsibility to package these stories, these genuine, real, original, unique stories as a duty, a divine duty. So it is not lost, it is preserved for generations. How do we do that? Every generation comes from a generation. And the Bible says that the sins of parents visit generations, even to the faith. Also the successes, the good deeds of these generations follow you also. So there are things that are embedded in each generation because there are numerous generations in the African diaspora, but they must, we must have gatekeepers to package these stories so they can be preserved and the strength and vitality of traditions and cultures and beliefs that are good and bad can be passed on so they can be evaluated and we can strengthen the good things that remain and we can examine those things that do not work and make changes that will advance the next generation and make them more powerful as they embrace what is their generational traits and predisposed gifts of strength and give something greater and greater and greater and increase in strength as they pass it on to their generations. And I look at this program and the power of the media, and I find that we are taking this very lightly. And that is why I am a part of this OBE, because I believe that whether African or not, this is how you preserve your stories. The media has been very powerful and the media puts things in people's faces. It's as if it forces it upon you, you cannot avoid it. And so we must now make an intentional effort to have workshops like this, original tradition and oral tradition workshops and events, we must organize them and we must make these workshops so effective that you encourage your elders and your experienced storytellers to share their narratives in a real fun and informative and persuasive way because stories are memorable. You never forget a good story. You never forget an impactful story. You tell it for many years, mark you. It might be watered down based on your interpretation and how you want to present it, but you never forget. And so these stories passed on by those who, because many of our elders are not inclined to take up these new ways, but they are very willing to have them be inflamed as they talk about it. And as they share it in their natural way, in their comfortable space and settings. And so persons on this line who have not ever looked at it there, you say you are writing something about your brother and, and Elijah said he did similar. Now you need to speak to your elders and you need to use the power that you have and your programs to, to digitally 
capture these stories that so they can be told and so the, or, the these oral workshops you must intentionally plan them and you must use your digital experience and resources to capture them in their real sense and they must go on youtube and so on you can also have what i think makes it more collaborative is that we are born with an innate ability to welcome competition. So we must have storytelling competitions that are very wholesome and that are very rich and encourage people to hone their craft and share their narratives. And we must offer these, these, these commendations, recognition and rewards of, of their desire to be a part of it and to motivate the participation. I joined a Grateful Stars competition challenge. I would call it a challenge, but it's really embedding us a way to challenge ourselves to see what we are grateful for, for a long period of time. And for some reasons, the, the, the persons who are the planners, and some of them are here, gave out gifts at the end of it that were very unexpected but has changed the lives of especially the face of gratitude and while we have not kept up with him he has expressed the impact how impactful it is he has many stories of survival that he can tell us he's in a wheelchair that we need to capture and we need to have records of this for his children and for himself and i'm just giving that as an example what about story clubs and circles in africa and in the diaspora where we are in canada as our first guest mentioned in 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 in, in italy obey in in los angeles in las vegas in wherever we have gone what about encouraging and maintaining storytelling clubs and circles so persons can establish their roots and get support naturally from people. I find that many times when we expose ourselves, there is a saying, and I think it's an African saying, but because we are Africans in the Caribbean and that is undeniable, there is a saying that says the higher the monkey, the monkey climbs, the more he exposed. And so these circles, will expose our generation and establish the roots of our greatness that it is carried with dignity and confidence. When children learn and are accepted and validated from very early, they are unbeatable. No force shakes them down. It is when we poorly establish ourselves in front of our generations and our children is when our generations cannot find us faithful that we destroy them. It is not wealth or lack of it. It's not poverty. It is unfaithfulness of the bearers of the future of our generations. And we want to be able to record these things and archive them the way you're doing to be. And I want to commend you on that. What about storytelling festivals? What about mentorship programs? What about those things? 
where we, we, we teach our young generation to respect and appreciate their roots in such a way. A lot of these persons are ashamed. Why are they ashamed? Because we have passed on. We have passed on the subtle and unwise ways of, of, of shame because we, we fight and we tell them we want them to be better than us. We want them to leave and never return. We tell them those things when we really should say return and change and build up and reframe and give hope by your success and by your wisdom and the exposure you have now gotten that can connect what is different with what is familiar and produce an original product again of resilience and of determination, and of being, and of existing, because you are, and you are valuable, you matter, and it is your right to be who you are, in the ways that you are, and help them to be able to connect in a very respectful way with those who are not like us, and who do not understand us. So understanding is built and generated in such a powerful way that we become collaborators and not competitors. Thank you so much for that, uh, Dr. Matzia. You see, this thing, they really make me emotional now. They really make me emotional. In that, uh, we would think that uh, maybe in Africa, uh, some of the richest uh, resources that we have are petroleum, are gold, and diamond, but it is not true. Those are not our richest resources. Our richest resources are our story. Because story rules the world. The fact that um, JFK told America that we are putting a man in the moon, they are building story. If we are able to tell our story, if we can understand where our ancestors are coming from, very soon we will transform the Sahara Desert it's whatever we want it to be because we know where we are standing. We know who our ancestors are. It because we are going hungry because we don't know where we are coming from. We believe the falsity, the, the falsehood that we haven't done anything before. You see, the good thing about telling children the truth or telling them the real story is so that they can forge a different destiny they want to. But knowing where their father, their mothers are coming from. If they don't do, if you don't tell them, they will still live. But they are going to live a more harder life. Because they are going to try to figure out who you are. And then try to figure out who they are. And then try to make the connection. That is a very difficult job. So we're going to make it easy for them by just saying, this is my role. This is the role that I play in this journey. I look at it as a chain. It's a chain of action and reaction. Each person is just a little knot that holds one end to the other end together. If you cut out my part, it is no longer complete. So each of us have a role to play in this journey of making sure that our people can be back on the on, on their feet again. Now, I want you to take a moment to think that the reality that we have 
have been fabricated falsely for us. And this makes us to believe that even the land that we are standing on, we are alien on it, that it is not our own. So what, why should I do anything to protect it? Now, think for instance, I usually say to people, we talk of the Benin War as one of the most, one of the wonders of the world. And the same people that will make this claim, we say that Africans have no history. And you, you try, to make a try to reconcile that. Why would the Benin need to build a wall if there was nothing to defend in the city? That is one. But that also prov provoke another question. Why would the Benin need to build a wall if there was no equally strong army coming from the outside? Pay attention. This army are not European army. These are African army. Now, let's leave that aside. What about the great Zimbabwe? Can the ordinary people growing up in Zimbabwe understand the story behind those wars? What about Sudan? Because people think that when you talk of the pyramid, you need to talk of Egypt. No, you also need to talk of Sudan. Who built these things? Why did they build it? How did they build it? What is the story behind it? The question is, where are you learning this story from? Now, as a person, that is a, a kind of a preoccupation that I have. And I have shared it with some of my friends within my uh, group in Nigeria, the Asian people of Nigeria. In a, there are certain things that a lot of knowledge that we are losing because we are not documenting the thing with the current tools of the time. You see, the concept of immortality is something that maybe you think is only being thought of today, but it is it has not started today. In my place, when a woman finds it difficult to have a child, for example, they will give this woman some medicine to take. If she takes this medicine, she will be able to have a child. But there is another thing that I'm also trying to explore in my culture, that there were some people who, maybe in their family, people die all the time because there were some illnesses that people couldn't cure, but at a point, they managed to find a cure for this sickness. And they do a certain ritual. They will have the peace, the seal again. I'm talking of the seal again. When they see the rituals, they will hang it somewhere. The rules was that that seal will never touch the ground. And story have it that as long as that seal never touched the ground, the person who it was done for will never die. That is a deep story there. That is a question of how long can we really live? How long do we really live? How long are we really supposed to live? We are provoking the question of immortality here. Of course, I am not an expert in this. I am still researching about this story. I am still trying to understand it. Because the difference between what we call high science and what we call fetishism in African tradition is not even very big, what, what separates the two. It's a question of from where are you learning, where, where, from where are you getting the information? And who is validating it for you? It should, you see, when we tell this story, 
we can we're not necessarily telling the people that you must you must do it according to the story that you are told no now that you know the story you can forge a different kind of trajectory but you must know where you are coming from because if you don't that trajectory that you are forging you don't know the value you don't know how to put it together because you have all the boat and not in front of you but you don't know how to construct it because you don't know where you are coming from why that is important is that maybe this ground where you are standing there is a hole there if you don't know you might build a 10 story building instead of building just one one story building you might finish to build the house but then it's going to collapse because you don't know the story of what is under your feet but if you know the story then you will know what to do with what you have in front of you so i really want to appreciate all of you for the sharing for your experiences for the education and i think this is what we are supposed to do to take the flag run with it and hang it on to some other persons it is their job to continue from where you stop but we must play our role. How do we preserve our identity through storytelling to the future generation? I'm just going to need your take on that. And I want to start with Olatuji. Oh, all right. Thank you so much. Uh, I would have allowed uh, ladies to go first, but no problem. This is Africa. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, and, and I really appreciate uh, the take of Dr. Marcia, you know, in putting uh, names to all of those um, uh, possible activities that can be, you know, carried out uh, in order to preserve uh, our culture through storytelling. You know, I, I, I give a broader view by saying, uh, you know, productizing our stories, all right, making our stories become, uh, you know, delicacies that are sought after and not, um, you know, every, everybody knows that a good is a good. But nobody goes to the mine to look for a good. People go to the markets to buy gold when they have been refined and already, you know, used as ornaments and jewelries, you know, and whatever it is. So uh, ordinary people don't go to the mines to look for gold. You find miners and people who are, you know, in very deep uh, business of gold to want to see or want to know about it and um, uh, it's a privilege that we are you know uh, in that class for a few of us uh, who are seeing this as uh, as very important and then um, you know uh, instrumental to preserving the future we, we need to do the dirty work of going to the mines all right and that's very important remember i, I said the other time that the longevity of anything is deepened in the trueness, the truth of it. There are a lot of stories that are flying here and there. And of course, because they are told by the wrong people, they would they would only, you know, when the hunter writes the story, the hunter will tell you, uh, the lion you are seeing behind me, I killed it. The hunter will not tell you that the, the lion actually committed suicide, not wanting to die by the guns of the of the, of, of of him or you know or by his own bullets. You know, in those days, many people who who we now term as gods now in our culture did not die literally. They were men that were so powerful that they, they afforded not dying, but you know, transforming themselves to different you know uh, entities. Some will enter, you know, the ground alive. Some will 
turned to a stone. You know, different forms because they felt like, come on, like I'm a lion. I should not die by the bullet of the hunter. So when the hunter wants to tell the story of the lion, the hunter will definitely tell it in such way that will make him look powerful. That will make him look, you know, uh, the, the, the center point of the story. But this is a time. We need to go to the mines and get out, you know, some of the time, I think looking at the process, it's not even the mines first. We need to go to those uh, 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 regions. We need to go to those places that we need to excavate the earth and bring out these golds where they are. Turn them to beautiful products. Some of them will have to be written into books. We, we, I, you know, our, our previous session, we talked about how that has been said and we are allowing it to be true. When they say, when you want to hide anything from a black man, put it in the book. No, we need to encourage reading culture so that we can break all of this, you know, uh, limitation. It's no longer true that you hide things from an African by putting it in books. So we need to make it very interesting for people to find this truth from books. Now, we, we are not going to rule out the, you know, uh, the peculiarity of our audience in the present time. Some people will still not go to books, no matter how interesting, you, you know, we pervade those things, all right? So we put them in movies, all right? We put them in movies. And like, you know, Dr. Marcia mentioned, we make context out of it and allow recognition and reward to come, you know, uh, to, to energize the process, to sustain the process. So turning all of these things into products will make people to be able to see that, oh, come on, this is it. Oh, easily we're able to relate to this origin. We're able to, you know, make a story out of it and continue. And the, 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 the baseline is we need the true story for us to be able to abide timelessly and to be able to do great stuff. Not lies, not fables, the true story. And it's in this trueness, it's in these truths that we are strong and indestructible. So we need to do this over and over. Uh, and uh, like I said, uh, this, this opportunity to you know speak is, is like uh, an inspiration that you and I need. You need it, I need it. Some of us, we are going to get inspired. And you know what we are just doing here is to just trouble the waters. There are a lot of means to productize our story. There are a lot of means to make our story become timeless, interesting, attractive, and still true. That some of us will not be able to, you know, bring across our mind but because you are here you may not be able to come up here and talk about it but your your mind is creative enough and say okay oh i got it this is how i'm going to do it don't be afraid to bring it out don't be afraid to let it out uh, our language is not vernacular anywhere in the world our culture is not a piece of gam or, or garment our culture is not what we wear alone. Our culture is not the food we eat. It's us. And it is not, you know, uh, uh, another thing. It's the main thing. 
wherever we are permitted, wherever we can get to, our culture has got all the right to be there. So our language is not vernacular. Like we have been made to believe in, in our schools and, you know, everywhere. Hey, don't speak that vernacular here. No. So we need to be bold about this. All right. We need to be bold about this. We, we, there's no need to, to fear anymore. There's no need to fear anymore. And the, the strength of the boldness is coming from when we have as many as possible platforms like this. That's very important. Don't be afraid to tell the story. Sometimes uh, there's an adage in, in, in my language uh, that um, because the, the snakes will not go in company, you can easily kill them. They enter into troubles because they go alone. Uh, that was the narrative that was given to us. That, hey, because they are afraid of us in our unity. They are afraid of us in our coming together. And that's why they have done everything possible to divide us amongst each other. This is the time for us to come together. Because just one of us is enough to make something happen. How much more when all of us come together, we make a lot to happen. So uh, in unity, let's uh, tell the story. Let's convey this story from generation to generation, make it interesting, make it attractive, make it so, so terrible uh, to even the younger generation. And we have a lot to do in unity. This is possible. Let's do this. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Concluding, it's more of the same in the sense that just understanding that storytelling the connection it invokes is a sense of belonging and strengthens the ability to heal. Storytelling has the power to touch our emotions and stir our spirits. And because of this, as we honor our ancestors, we also gain insights into our own lives and create a bridge between the past, present, and future. Having said that, I know in the Yoruba traditions, it is believed we exist in three worlds, the unborn, the living, and ancestors. And we are always connected. It is believed that the spirit of the departed ancestors continues to influence the living. So when you think of that, that connection, you know you're never alone. You can always draw on, on the wisdom, the knowledge, the power, all that is within us. And it just takes two or three, as in the Christian religion, two or three gathered together. Let us tell our stories. And those stories live on. They take on a life force. And we must not be ashamed of these stories. We have been made to feel shameful for so long. The, the traumas of that, the damage of all of that still reverberate. It's going to take a long time for that to go. But what we're doing here, by telling these stories, what we've done today within this hour and a half, we've put something out into the ether. And as the, 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 how often we do this, like my sister said, and my brothers, the more often we do this type of work, the stronger it gets, the more the younger generation, because we need to reach our younger generation. We need to heal them. We need to get them to understand who they are. They may live in this country, yes, and, and thankful for for the host country, for whatever it has provided. But we also know the damage that has come through um, the, the peoples of this land. So what we are trying to do now is build ourselves up. 
and nothing is more powerful, like my brother said, than the African storytelling, the oral traditions of storytelling. This, this is what we were made to do. So I once again want to, I bow down to all of you. Eshe Pupua, thank you. Alafia. Eshe, thank you so much, Gloria. <laughs> thank you so much. Eshe Pupua, that's great. I like that. <laughs> thank you so much for that. You see, uh, this is actually about power. It's about reclaiming who we are. And when we do, I want to repeat it again, we walk in a different kind of light. Storytelling open doors for us. All right. So, yeah, Elijah, thank you so much. You see, what you shared actually inspired the room also and to talk more about because that is actually what we need to do. We need to uh, go to the elders. You see, wherever you are, like, you see, how this series started was because I went to people that have been here for the past 30 years before I came. I just simply told them, tell me your story. I put that story together in video. I put it together in text. And I put it together in various ways that is possible. And I hand it over to them. I could see the joy on their face. On their faces. And I tend to do the same. Expanding the project when I get to my village. I want to speak to the elder. I want to put their story down. And of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that I am going to be the one to do this. But if I can inspire people to do it, for you to know that it is very simple to do. It's not complicated. It's not complicated at all. Because we have the tools of the age. What you just need to do might just be your telephone. Just stand the telephone there to your grandma, to your grandpa, and just ask, Grandpa, tell me how it was for you when you were a young boy, you're a young girl. That might be all. That, that is a, another story I would like I would have liked to share with you about my father, but I don't have the time for it today, which is actually the reason why I am also doing this. And, but that is that is for another day. But I just want to tell us that doing this is highly, highly valuable. Because when your grandpa would have passed on, then you will have children, you will have grandchildren, you will have great-grandchildren. They're going to ask you, how was your grandfather? Imagine you could tell the hey, see that I want to show you how your grandfather was. Listen to what he was saying. That is a different kind of story. That is a different kind of story. And we, living in the 21st century, 2023, have the possibility to be able to do that. That we can just take our phone, our little camera, sit it down and interview our father. Let it it's not, I want to point out something clear here. They don't need to be professor. What they say doesn't need to make all the sense in the world. We just want to hear them talk. Just talk about themselves. And trust me, African old people are libraries. When they start talking, you they will blow your mind. Please, let's do this. Let's keep doing this. All right, it's your turn, uh, Elijah. Please share with us your final thought here before we go. Okay. Um... I'm so happy, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm really blessed. And I have been, it's like um, I, I, I'm connected to, is, I call it divine because it has been my thinking. And to start with um, this, for me, my thinking was to engage the uprising that is like those that are coming up and then which I start the project, but because of um, 
um, unstable or in the satin support and so forth, I stopped it. And then how did I start? I started with my community with, um, I was a volunteer teacher in one of the mission school. So I was uh, teaching the upper primary uh, peoples. So because I am so much involved in writing story, sometimes I write a story every day, every day I write a story. And, and before I, I start to teach, I explain that story to them. So it becomes so interesting. So you see, they begin to listen. They see that it is very creative. So what, what did I, uh, uh, what I did is, um, I noticed it was interesting to them. So I also, I demand them to write, to write, you know, to, 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 to write a story for me, each one of them in a, in a class. So when they started writing and it was so much interesting, that they're writing, um, shooting some, some things that has happened in their home with their father, with their, their brothers, <laughs> you know, I was asked, I was imagine if we can initiate this kinds of idea in our nation, because one of the things I've found in my nation, in my country, I found out that most people are not engaged in reading, neither in writing. So it is a big vision actually, which um, I was thinking, how could I start this? You know, Sometimes I sit down and, and try to initiate something that also it will improve my nation because I know, I know that it is better to, to, to know much, to learn more before you, when you, when you gain more knowledge, you can be able to do much. You see, when you don't have much, you cannot do, you, you, you cannot express much. And so I am really really surprised of hearing of all this contribution and what is happening here on this platform so um sometimes i even ask the the, the kids sometimes i even ask the kids if you write the one that write the best story i make sure that i give him some money you know contribute uh for his or her lunch in that particular day so that's what i was doing so you know what have happens um i love this platform you know i love this platform and i love the initiation that has um that is going on and um from dr marcia um um also um our mommy gloria so i love these things that are happened so i i want us to suggest that we need to involve that's it we need to involve and especially a, a platform like this and then when we are involved when do we um involved and we see it important we see it serious and then we can be able to engage you know the, the the kids we can be able to engage a young generation we can create impact you know sometimes um transform tra um, transformation or changes start with um one person one individual even for a nation even for a, for a community you can start with whatever initiative you are you can start like uh, my brother over here was saying you see you can start with um, interviewing maybe people around you. Yeah, that is necessary. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for that. You have started already. Just keep on doing what you are doing. You know, I think we should do what we are supposed to do with the resources that you have, with the time that you have, with everything that you have right now. Maybe that is all what you have to do. The universe is watching and I'm going to open up door for you because, you know, it's, it's, we are all energy and we are supposed to be connecting. But you see, when you light your lamp, it's reflecting. Other light like you will be magnetic to you because you are not alone. In this world, 
we are not alone. We have many other people like us who want to connect with us. But if you don't talk, if you don't share, if you don't light your lamp, you remain in the dark so nobody can see that you are there. So let us light our lamp and let it shine. Dr. Marcia, what is your final thought here? My final thought is that just like what Gloria said, Anola Tunje, about this thing of storytelling, fostering a sense of belonging and inclusiveness. I want to also say that it cements our cultural identity, who we really are when we are not EQ experts, when we are not an ancestral healing coach, when we are not certified Christian leadership coach, when we are not writers or authors, when, when we are not social impact strategies. Who are we? Who are we really? So our, the storytelling brings us back to who we are in our core and promotes our cultural identity that we show up, show up authentic, show up vulnerable, show up valuable, show up as servants because servants mean that we are, we carry with us the significance of the legacy that we bring by just being who we are and just by knowing who we are. Because when we know who we are, we come to the table understanding the value we bring to the table. We are particular about how we show up and when we show up and why we show up and we make our showing up take meaning have meaning for those, for us, and for those who we represent. So we must understand ourselves. We must know ourselves and we must love ourselves. And we must always represent our best self. Our best self can be a self that is hurting at this time, that has suffered loss or grief, that has failure, that has things that we are struggling, our challenges, our circumstances, because that is the sum total of life. These tests and these occurrences in our life just make us, should make us emerge stronger and amplify the voice of who we are because we are able to connect all the parts of ourselves that make us up and appreciate it and tell and show it as an overcomer as a conqueror that knows that we are in a fight that we must win thank you so much for that this is a fight we must win and we really must win uh, i don't know if nakashal is there and uh, nakashal if, if you are there uh, what is your final thought here hi um yeah i came back i wasn't able to hear all the great stories um yeah but my final thoughts is i encourage everyone who's listening if you've been wanting to write the stories of your ancestors or just writing your story, I really do encourage you guys to write them and to share them, not only write them, but share them. Because a lot of times we think that, you know, people are interested in our stories, but really you never realize how much your story will have an impact, whether it's now or it's in the future, um, it definitely will have an impact. So I encourage everyone on their call to share their story, write their story, whether it's your ancestors, whether it's you, whether it's people around you, share them. 
um, people want to listen. I want to listen. So let's go. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. And I really want to thank all the people that are in the audience who have stayed at the end of this call. This is really important. This is an important call uh, for us to start where we are to tell our story because our story is important. Our story is more important than we think they are. They are absolutely fundamental. They are um, the instrument for us to be able to navigate this world. They are the only thing for you where you are the expert, where you don't have anybody contesting you, where you are the only one who is actually uh, more, uh, how, how do I say it? You, where you have authority. If you want to tell the story of another person, you are going to ask for permission almost. You are going to sort of try to tell it to suit them because it is not your story. But when you tell your story, nobody can contest it. Nobody can tell you who you are. So we must learn to leverage the power of storytelling, whether we are in business, we are in community, we are in politics, we are in religion, in spirituality. Storytelling is going to be relevant always, always, and all the time. So please, let's learn to use it for ourselves and also for the people around us. I want to thank you all again for the time. Elijah, Nakatia, Dr. Masia, Olatuji, Gloria, I really appreciate your presence here. I really do.